We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, presented by Blue Wire. Darius Soriano is with me today. Uh, my name is Mike. Pete will be back imminently. And Darius, I was in San Antonio last night in what appeared to be... You still are in San Antonio, Mike. Well, that's true. I was trying not to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be here for another two days, essentially, um, as the Lakers have an off day on Thursday and then play this back-to-back at San Antonio. But it looked like the game against the Spurs was over um, after three quarters when Anthony Davis um, did his thing and kind of helped the Lakers to a rather large lead. And then some... Not so serious basketball to start the fourth quarter happens. Uh, Darvinham does call an early timeout that didn't immediately fix things. Uh, Let's get to all that. But I actually want to start with a statistic for you, uh, Darius. We've been talking a lot about Anthony Davis. Do you happen to know where Anthony Davis ranks in terms of total minutes played in the NBA if you include the in-season tournament final? So you mentioned this on yesterday's pod. Because you had tweeted it out a couple of days ago. But you were supposed to just say no. Well, I don't know, actually, because (laughs) it's just like my sense is that, though, he's pretty high up there because he's been racking up the minutes. The answer is first. So (laughs) if you include the IST final, he is number one in the NBA uh, in total minutes. And it's about like eight hundred and ninety almost. The second place would be Nikola Vucevic. And then you have a bunch of Chicago Bulls because they played one more minute. Uh, Kobe White's up there. Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Max Strews, Pascal Siakam, uh, then DeRozan and Maxi, and trusty KCP. So it's just something I wanted to highlight. Uh, we This has been such a talking point and for understandable reasons, but AD has played more minutes um, than a lot of stars the last couple of years. And in this case, Darius, I started the game doing a hit on this with how many minutes that AD had played. And then he turned his ankle almost while I was talking. <laughs> yes. And yes. it's one of those things like where if, if I do a hit on, hey, 
player X is hot from three and then they miss their next three. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Dude, it's, it's give me some behind the scenes action with this too. Cause I know that you talk with Stu and Billy Mack behind the scenes, like off air during commercial breaks and timeouts and whatnot. Will they ever give you crap? If things turn based off of something that you've said, or do they let stuff like that slide? Yeah. So, so the funny thing is, it's not so much Billy and Stu that I'm talking to throughout the game as our producer, uh, Mark Shaw. So I've got a button on my microphone that I'm pressing a thousand times a game, right? With various notes and points. And hey, did you see this? Hey, this happened. Hey, uh, you know, I don't know if your camera caught it, but player X is on the bench and he's uh, stretching. It looked like he got hit or uh, whatever is going on, or it's a statistic. And hey, tell Billy that if uh, when AD gets his next rebound, you know, that'll be the double double. Make sure to mention just little stuff like this throughout. And then sometimes Mark will open the microphone back the other way if Billers do wants to say something to me. Um, more typically, it'll be at the half and I'll, I'll walk down and I'll talk to Stu for a little bit, um, you know, while Billy is Billy's off grabbing something or a post game. So that that's how that works a little bit more like that. So in this case, when AD goes down, it's I press the button. I'm like, oh, man, Mark, you know, I maybe should have done a different <laughs> hit. But uh, I, I'm not actually superstitious in that way. It's more just sort of a fun talking point. Injuries, of course, are not fun. But AD, uh, after I think what was probably a nervous commercial break for folks watching, because he went to the ground rather hard. And I'm that's the part where it's better to be there because I'm standing five feet away and saw him get up. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's like, it hurt, but he's all right. And then he proceeds to score 37 points for a second straight game. And, uh, you know, the showdown with Wemby in certain, in certain ways, if you look at it, uh, was a lot of fun. And, uh, but AD is certainly the reason why they won that game. And I think, I think Darius, you put it in the thread something about AD and what you thought might have happened if he didn't play. I thought they would have lost. The games I've caught of Wemby have mostly been, like you mentioned that you surf league pass a lot, and no, there's no one I know that surfs league pass more than you. And so I'm sure you've caught Spurs games on off nights because Wemby is one of those attractions where you just want to sort of tune in and see what's going on. I've more caught their like national TV games because they have been on national TV some. And the sense that I get is like he gets up for these sort of bigger games and against marquee opponents. Like I thought he really got up in those Suns games, for example, to play against Kevin Durant and that he seemed up for this Lakers game as well, even though LeBron did not play. And so, yeah, A.D., just to go back to the point you made about it's good that you're right there. It's also good for me and Pete. Because it did go to commercial <laughs> and AD is on the ground and Twitter's not updating us fast enough. But the text thread is right there for us. And there's good old Mike saying, I think AD is going to be fine. And so Pete sending gifs to us of I'm nervous, basically. Like, is he okay? And and you were the calming force right there for both me and Pete because you're just like, looks like he's going to keep playing and that he's fine. And then they come back from commercial and he's off the court and he's moving a little bit um, gingerly at first, but AD was awesome. There's a stretch of the year and it's normally this time, like the wraparound from November in to December. At least it's been like this with the Lakers, where AD always seems to like find his rhythm. And Pete has talked about this a lot, that AD really is a rhythm player. And the more consecutive games he gets under his belt, the more comfortable and free-flowing his game starts to look. And 
it feels like right now, Mike, that he's in one of those grooves. And going into the game, we weren't sure if AD was going to play second night of a back-to-back. Um, you had talked about this before the game and you would ask Darvin about some of this stuff around the injuries and like the hip spasm growing sort of thing that he's been dealing with. And I wouldn't have been surprised if he sat this game out. Instead, it was the opposite. AD does play, Vando plays too, which was a bit of a surprise. And LeBron sits out. And so AD seemed to be like, oh, a matchup against Victor Weminyama, the next big man superstar. I was that dude once. Be nice to play against this this guy. And he seemed to come out with a certain amount of focus and energy to be like, I'm going to show this young buck like my entire offensive arsenal. And he had it going, Mike. And AD was just fantastic. And we talked a lot about AD in in yesterday's pod and sort of our admiration around what he's been doing and and the leadership that, that he's been showing. But I thought last night was another great example of exactly that. You know, twist his ankle, like first possession of the game, coming off a second night of a back-to-back where he's clearly already not his best physically, but he powered through that game and led the Lakers to an important win, a bounce-back win against a team that I thought gave one of their better efforts that they've probably given in weeks. No, it did. I watched San Antonio a couple times last week, and they played much better in this game, uh, as expected, and Wemby was up for it more. Uh, I'll... I'll get back to Wemby in a second, but to stick on AD for a second, that's a lot of seconds there. Let's let's stick on AD for a minute. AD, you mentioned this, that sometimes he will just get into a certain rhythm. It happened last year, most typically when LeBron was out. And this goes back to that whole conversation that we always have and really us trying to amend the narrative that we might hear. Uh, and I know there's not just one narrative, right? But this is kind of like the main one about how Why doesn't AD do this every night? And one of my answers has been because he has LeBron James on his team. And if the other team happens to be throwing doubles or sending more attention inside, the Lakers are perfectly content, as well they should be, to just let LeBron initiate things more from the perimeter uh, and to spread the ball around more and to look for his own shot and and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets don't have that same ability, although Jamal Murray can certainly take on more of a role at times, but it's still going to go through Jokic. Philly doesn't just say, oh, you guys are doubling Embiid. All right, we're going to go to Maxi for the whole game. Embiid's still going to get his touches. He's still going to get his shots up. And that to me is the biggest difference between when AD, you know, has scoring games like this. It's not that he doesn't have the skills. It's not that he can't be efficient. It's not that he can't solve defensive problems. Uh, He clearly can. And he clearly has. So I was looking at his game log last year, Darius, and he had four or five different stretches like this. So in November, and these are just consecutive scoring games, 37, 38, 30, 37. Um, then you remember the two games he had? Uh, so at Milwaukee, at Washington, when he yes. went for 44 and 55 in consecutive games, then he gets hurt in the eighth minute of the game at Cleveland, right? When he's in the middle of that game he and he leaves the game, still he comes back in Philly, 31 at Detroit, 34, at Boston, 37. Then he gets hurt in December in, uh, against Jokic and the Nuggets. Remember when he comes down on Jokic's foot or whatever it was, and then he misses um, over a month with that yep. injury. So he he had been in that kind of scoring rhythm. So he comes back uh, later that year. It was, the, it was in later March, and this is once LeBron got hurt, 30, 28, 38, 39, 30. 
after LeBron hurt his foot at Dallas. Not a coincidence, right? Then finally, late uh, late March, he goes 38-38-40 in a three-game stretch against Minnesota, Houston, and Utah. All uh, let's see, sorry, against Chicago, Minnesota, and Utah. All games that the Lakers needed to win. So he's got this in the bag. If if you give him the touches, he will produce at a very high level. And I wanted to underscore that by probably giving you too many numbers. So let's let's go to break, uh, come back, and we'll have you touch on AD, and then we'll get into Wemby a little bit more. So one of my goals right now is to eat better. But in the thick of the NBA season, that can be hard to do. So I recently signed up for Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track for your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. And so if you're too busy with holiday plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well, with Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store and chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Choose from 35-plus weekly, flavor-packed, fresh and never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. Head to Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 and use code LakerFilm50, all one word, to get 50% off. That's code LakerFilm50 at Factormeals.com slash LakerFilm50 to get 50% off. So I'm going to channel Pete here. And when you talked about giving AD the touches, it's not just the touches. And we talked about this a little bit after the end of when we stopped recording yesterday's pod. And we were going back and forth a little bit. And one of the things that Pete said then that resonates with me now as part of this discussion with AD putting up these points is that in order for him to get to the shot attempts that he's getting to now, there's a diversity of his offensive attack that needs to be there. And a part of that is going back to the jump shot more. And Pete told me this. He said explicitly, make sure you talk about my admiration of AD's jump shooting this last game. Make sure you bring it up. He's still getting shots off, even even when he's not on the pod. Even it. when he's not on the pod, he's like, hey, man, here's your marching orders. Make sure you bring up AD's jump shooting. And it was such a critical part of his offensive attack yesterday, Mike. And I thought the way that he attacked Wembenyama by showing him the ball a little bit and turning and facing a lot more and playing outside in rather than inside out and showing him the jump shot and taking and making jump shots and then using the threat of his jumper to draw fouls. He he draw a couple of he drew a couple of reach in fouls on his jump shooting motion against Wemby. He he jabbed and shot his jumper. He head faked the jumper and then drove hard. He had that monster dunk on Wemby that started with a ball fake on a jumper. Real three level scoring from AD last night and The smoothness of his jumper ties back into the point I was trying to make earlier in that when he starts to get into an offensive rhythm and when he's getting touches and the Lakers are playing through him much more, the entirety of his offensive game starts to come together. And he deployed that full bag that he has 
against Wemby last night and 24 first half points, 37 for the game. Um, started out shaky a little bit at the foul line again, but made a bunch of important ones down the stretch. Four steals, double digit rebounds again. Just another unreal performance from AD against a kid that looked shaky at first too in in Wemby, but certainly found his rhythm as the game went on as well and made for a real duel that I was like super enjoying between basically two big guys just going back and forth who were rangy and athletic and super skilled. It was just a great game to watch. It wasn't just Pete that was talking about AD's jump shot. In fact, it was AD. Uh, I asked him (laughs) about his rhythm these last couple of games and where it's coming from and well, that's one of the first things that he mentioned. So, like, hey, I found find a little rhythm uh, in my jump shot. And boy, did he ever. I though I did think that he the one that he took when the Lakers, I think, were they were they up five uh, and he came down yes. and took it early in the clock. And then he basically he missed it and stole the, re- the inbounds pass and then dunked it. And it was one of like four times that it seemed like the game was over and then it wasn't uh, until it was. But. I think, you know, this is one of the things about when Pete is doing post game, all I think that he's getting the videos in. And so he probably even heard that part of the discussion um, about what AD was saying about it. So, yeah, that was great. And he's in fine form right now. I'm glad that he has today to recover and get some treatment. And I do think, by the way, that it's it's significant that the Lakers didn't play LeBron, that LeBron will play on Friday because I think that's going to provide a certain boost that would be harder to get a second win over an opponent just coming in the same way because they're going to come out harder. Um, and LeBron, I think, can answer some of that. But to stick with this game for a minute, I want to I want to get to Wemby. And Please. I have seen him in person once before in Las Vegas in the Summer League and totally different setting. And it, th- this was the game in which he really struggled, like the first mm-hmm. game. And I thought that he was getting too much heat for that game, though. At the same time, like I... I was super impressed with his defense uh, in that game, even though he clearly didn't have his bearings. He clearly didn't have his legs. But just the the first time that I that in this game, it, what the freakish stuff that he can do, Austin Reeves attacks off the dribble and yes. gets which he was doing, by the way, the entire in season tournament final and getting there and finishing just fine around Miles Turner, one of the better shot blockers in the NBA. And so Austin Austin gets to the hoop about to lay it in off glass, and then out of nowhere, this just giant wing swats the ball with pace. You know, yes. like he he brings that hammer down fast, and all of a sudden, what happened? Violently blocks it, and Austin's like, bro, what what, what the hell? It's it's something that, that just does not happen. Even AD doesn't have that level um, of of ground that he can cover. So that was that was the first sort of amazing Wemby play. And I think what so the league pass watching that I've done of Wemby, he's actually been pretty consistent, especially for a rookie. Like in November, he averaged 20 and 10 on very similar shooting percentages that he has this month. And the bottom line is he can't make anything outside the paint and he's making a lot inside the paint. That, of course, changed in crunch time when he drained the threes. But you what you mentioned the Phoenix games that he watched. He had a couple of threes in that game, uh, especially late. And yeah. that kind of got him going. But the difference between Wemby last month and this month is that he's playing much more center now. And therefore, his rebounds and his blocks are way up because he's been more often in the paint. He hasn't been out as much uh, on the perimeter. And I think that makes a lot of sense. He's averaging 15 rebounds per game and four blocks uh, in December. Now, a- after 13 more and six against the Lakers and 
last last three games, six blocks, five blocks, four blocks. Like he went through he went through November averaging 2.9. And then the first month it was like, yeah, 2.3. So he's a, he's a real problem. Uh, And once he starts to develop his own perimeter game a little more, I I, I think that there he's already arrived, but he's going to be, he's going to clearly make some additional gains and he's going to be a problem for the Lakers and everybody else in the West for many a year. Darius. I thought both AD and Wemby showed what makes them special as players. Um, AD, like I said before, traditionally when he's been at his best as an offensive force, it really has been as a three level scorer. The jumper has not been his, his, the way that he does his, his work, but the threat of his jumper and then his quickness and his explosion and getting to, to the basket along with all the dexterity and like the leaning shots and like the ability to change, change direction. And then his ability to play with power and force around the basket when you don't necessarily expect it. Those are all hallmarks to me of what makes AD special. And then the defensive stuff as well, obviously. Um, Wemby, though, the, the sort of wing nature of his offensive game while being this tall and his defensive timing and acumen and the way that he leverages his, his physical tools, he's... It's to me what makes him sort of this generational prospect, right? And, and so you mentioned the rebounding has been up. He had 13 rebounds last night. He had six blocks last night. He had 30 points on um, 11 for 21 shooting. He, he hit four of his five threes. And so you had mentioned coming into the game that he'd just been struggling with almost anything outside of the paint. But um he hit those two late, which were critical to the Spurs making their push and them coming back. But whenever AD gave him space, he buried that one from the right wing as well. I think he hit another one from um, sort of where he's like walking in to it. Um, even the jumpers that he took that he missed, um, AD's a big dude and he can normally contest jumpers really well. But... Wemby was just taking these jumpers right over the top of Anthony Davis and they didn't all go in obviously. And um, I thought Wemby played a particularly like undisciplined game in terms of his fouling and some of the passes that, that he made, he had a a few critical turnovers um, several, like in the open court, he had that one bad pass that cam almost picked off as well. And cam was lamenting that like after the game about the steals that he didn't get. And one of those ones, I I think was an up court pass from, from Wemby that basically like cam just dropped and if, and if, fell out out of bounds and so clearly not a finished product clearly um young and still learning the game but i was super impressed with how um he sort of got better as the game went on and was uh, a catalyst for bringing the spurs back in another sort of fourth quarter that you mentioned earlier where darvin did seem a little bit disappointed with like the focus level of the guys, maybe that's too strong. But after the game, he did mention like, we got to raise our discipline level in some of these possessions. And it's just like, Darwin's usually not one to like turn critical like that. And so it sort of stands out to me. So let's go to the break here, Mike. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're right, Darius, that Darvin is amongst the coaches that I've covered. Uh, he is very, very quick to defend players and praise players. And he is not going to throw guys under the bus uh, individually and almost ever. And if if anything, he might talk about the team. Uh, you know, he would like it if they did something a little bit differently. And I think he talks to the team that same way, too, by the way. He, yeah. And I get the sense that when Darvin was a player – he didn't particularly love, you know, when coaches would yell and scream um, at individual players. And, and he, I think he kind of bowed that that's not how he's going to do it. He mentioned this a f- couple weeks. Was it a week ago or two weeks ago where he basically said, like, I don't agree with dressing guys down in public yeah. that way. And, yeah. and so I agree with what you're saying, too. And and, you know, that's a whole that'd be an interesting discussion when we get Pete back too, like the just from. What are the pluses and minuses of those different styles of coaching? And when is the time to call somebody out? And But I generally think that Darwin has a really good pulse on on this type of thing. Uh, and guys, I think, clearly appreciate that. And then when, you know, if he does need to make a, a point to somebody, then it's going to be welcome as opposed to just being yelled at all the time. But in this instance, it was a, it was kind of a soft uh, mention. And I think that so to start the first quarter, there were a couple of plays uh, and, you know, Jackson Hayes found himself on the wing with the ball and just kind of attacked Wemby one-on-one off the dribble with a drive, like something that is not yeah. typically in his bag. And he got packed, you know, rather, rather easily. And Max Christie had made a play on the previous possession um, that wasn't a great play. And, and Max acknowledged that after the game, I, I thought that got them off on the wrong foot. And yet I also, this was not a game where if I were the coach and even if my style were to yell more, um, like Larry Brown style or, or something like that. I I thought this was more San Antonio hit seven of 11 threes um, and they just kind of were playing. They were playing like a team that had nothing to lose because yep. they have done nothing but lose. And the Lakers, I thought, did get some good actions together, did make some plays. Um, AD had to check back in, which wasn't ideal. But it, so, yes, like this. Here's another way to put it, Darius. You see this happen a lot. In the NBA, okay, a team yeah. gets up twenty. Another team's got nothing to lose. They hit a couple threes. All of a sudden, it gets a little tight. They bring their defensive pressure up. I'm speaking fast intentionally because this just it happens, and it's important not to just um, kill the team that that sort of blew the lead and then still ended up with the win. So I, I it's not something I think that's systemic to this team. It's not something I think that we're going to see happen all the time. And it probably is better for the Lakers heading into Friday's game that they endured a run like this. 
Yeah, San Antonio did get a punch out. And now when they watch that film, they can come out with a little bit more intentionality as opposed to coming out with, oh, we just beat this team by 20. It's all good. And again, I'll, I'll mention again, I think that LeBron coming back helps that as well. Um, and and so like LeBron and LeBron will take Wemby's. LeBron will enjoy, I think, seeing Wemby out there uh, and just give and, and LeBron likes to let everybody know that he's still him um, as well. He should in a yes. lot of ways. I want to. Use a bridge here, Mike, between um, this game and Friday's game and sort of build on that idea, not only of of LeBron coming back, but to highlight a couple of uh, other performances that I thought um, were really good in Wednesday's game. And hopefully we continue to see this level of play moving forward. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about Torian Prince. You wrote about him in the three things preview for Wednesday's game, and you highlighted him on the broadcast. Prince has really picked it up, man, and he's been shooting the ball well. He's been hustling around the court. I think that his defense and his attentiveness defensively has been pretty strong. And so what have you seen from Prince lately? Um and how encouraging is it to you that he's starting to find or has or has established a pretty good rhythm now and what that means for the team? Yeah, the Torian Prince groove that he's in, Darius, I, I was I was looking at this for the pregame article last game because I knew the splits were going to be significant, but not quite as significant as I thought when I actually did the numbers. And the three point percentage in November was twenty nine point three in December in December before the game. It was 61.9. And then he ends up he ends up in the game four for ten. Hitting a ton more threes. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, what is what is he end up finishing? I think it was four for ten. But he he started out, I think, four for uh, four for six or four for seven, and then missed a couple late. Uh, but yeah, so he's the, the shooting rhythm that he's in right now. I think that this goes back to I don't want to repeat myself and make the same point as always, but He's a good enough shooter that eventually he's going to make somewhere around between 38 and 41%. Like that's where he's been for basically his whole career. And yeah. it had to even out. He was shooting well on the road all season. It was just the, those those few games at Crypto.com where he could not buy a bucket and you could tell that it, that he was feeling that. So the fact that he's now a consistent threat out there um anthony davis mentioned this and that he thinks that prince's shot making has opened the floor a little bit for him and that's true right it's it's just teams are going to have to do that rotation out and by the way cam reddish hit two of his three threes so when you get that and ad's out there also hitting a shot the whole offense just in general uh, opens up for the lakers and i think that that's going to be what that's what this season is going to be like for the most part. It's just then the question of how much you're going to play Vanderbilt, how much you're going to play Rui in certain lineups like that, and, and how much is Max Christie going to play? He was one for four from three. I don't know that there is, as of yet, the perfect rotation ideal, although we've tossed it around a lot, especially once Gabe Vincent gets back, and it sounds like he's getting closer, Darius. So. Yeah. The, that's a long way of saying that, of, of course, it's important, but it's also, I think, something that the Lakers should have expected was going to even out some. You know, this is a there's Torian Prince is a pro and he can shoot. And even if he was he was in his head for a little bit at those home games, I think he's at least going to be uh, close to where he's been lately. 
Yeah, I really just wanted to to highlight that Prince has been playing well. And he was a guy who earlier during the season, um, I was sort of waffling on and didn't have as much patience for. Um, his rebounding was not to the level I thought it needed to be. Um, his defensive intensity sort of waxed and waned a little bit. During that run even um, – that the Spurs were making in in uh, the fourth quarter, he actually gave up um, a key offensive rebound to Keldon Johnson, who crashed from the weak side corner, and he got a put back. And TP sort of put put his hand up and said, "Like that's me, my fault." And it's I love that sort of accountability that is also showing up in in his play as well. And I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for for the team as well because. They've needed his offensive production, particularly on nights where like Russell maybe isn't shooting as well or a night where LeBron is out. They went to Wood. Wood didn't necessarily have it. You're never really going to get a ton of production from from Jackson Hayes. And so it was there was this real need to cobble together production against the Spurs and the Lakers got it, you know, led by AD's big night, but six players in in double figures, and they sort of found enough offensive production in order to to get the W. I want to look at Friday really quickly, though, Mike. Um, the league has just started to do this the last two or three seasons, right? These sort of like baseballish um, road trips where you stay in the city for a couple of extra days and maybe play play a team twice sometimes even on back-to-back nights but twice in three days and you mentioned it at the top that it can often be hard to beat a team twice like this and so what are you looking forward to on friday's game you already mentioned lebron potentially giving the team a shot in the arm because of his return and so i'm wondering um just what your outlook is for Friday's game and getting a second look at at a Spurs team who's really trying to snap a big losing streak. Yeah, the biggest difference to me is arrested LeBron that not just physically but mentally got to sit there, got to kind of recover from all that he put into the in-season tournament and then the subsequent game at Dallas and see that his team was still capable of winning. And remember that kind of, I thought that supercharged LeBron last year heading into the playoffs when he was out with a foot injury and he was watching Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves really step their games up specifically. And that team still be good. And instead of LeBron being like, Oh, I don't like this. I, I need to be out there and be the guy. I think he was, he was thinking, nah, if, if I come back and, and I'm LeBron, then we can, we can do some things here. And so that's the way that I, I was watching him on the bench and the way that he was especially going up to AD into timeouts. That's uh, he's into that. He's into that. So now I think Friday's game starts and LeBron is out there like doing a little bit more of the little stuff that uh, that he did in the in-season tournament where he's making a couple extra rotations early and he's sprinting up and down the floor in transition. Uh, and he's uh, he's you know coming over. And helping out on Wemby when he's the low man uh, in certain rotations. And I think that we'll see some more of that um, out of kind of appreciation of, of what the team was able to do to, to put another win in the bank uh, when he wasn't there. And whenever LeBron plays like that, it's good, typically for the Lakers. It, it, it usually results um, in, in a good way. And that to me, Darius, I, I just at the same time would like to see Anthony Davis's run respected in the way that guys are making sure to get him the basketball. Yeah. And 
San Antonio specifically not having a great answer for him, even though, you know, Wembenyama and his length can can be bothersome to to folks. Uh, AD showed that he's got different stuff in his bag uh, where he can lean. He can use his body in a different way with Wemby. Uh, he can take him out to the perimeter. And that that's the stuff that I would like them to keep spamming. But just recognizing that LeBron is, is going to LeBron having sat there with the supercomputer also knows exactly what San Antonio is doing on both ends now. And he can now unleash that uh, how he wants to. And I think that's a that's a big difference maker other than just, hey, let's try to beat the same team the same way twice when they got some confidence in that fourth quarter. One hundred percent. And I'm I think everything that you've said about LeBron and a pending return for him. um, That's super important. I'm also looking forward to um, seeing Austin Reeves build on his good, good performance. Um, Eight assists for Austin, so another good passing night for him. I thought he made a few good reads from the top of the floor and really swinging the ball. The Lakers have been doing a lot more of that lately, which I think is, is super important to the overall um, greasing of the wheels for for their offense. And hopefully we get another um, strong game from, from Anthony Davis, a LeBron James return, and um, a salvaging of this road trip, right? Going two and one with two wins against the Spurs um, when it is hard to beat a team twice like this. That would be a nice little trip, um, even though it would have been great to get that Mavs game as well. So we're going to wrap up here, Mike. But before we do, just wanted to say that we got a note this morning from our wonderful producer, Jeannie, that it is the seven-year anniversary for the LFR pod today, apparently. And Pete, and Pete stood you up. <laughs> Look, when, <laughs> when you've done as many pods as me and Pete have over the years, and it's his name on this thing, right? It is the Laker Film Room podcast. He could take a day off and no one's going to think any less of him. In fact, I'm even happier no that doubt. he took today off. Well, he look, had he known, had he known it was your together anniversary, uh, I think, you know, I think he would have. He would have been here. So we'll we'll uh, we'll make sure you guys can go down memory memory road a little bit in the next pod. Yeah, possibly. Although we'll probably just break down defensive coverages and who's making the swig swing. Right. Because that's what we do here on uh, the LFR pod. But I just wanted to say just really quickly. Thanks to Jeannie for all the work that she's done. Special shout out to Pete. Obviously, we've been doing this a long time. Shout out to you, Mike. It's been what, three years now with the pod? Sounds right. The things that we've built and that we continue to do, I couldn't be prouder of the work that we've done. I also just want to give a special thanks to all the listeners who have been with us since day one. So it's been seven years. Here's to however many more that we could keep this going. And hopefully the Lakers get another win tomorrow night. And so anything else, Mike, from your end? Nope. Just going to go hang out in San Antonio for a couple more days. Get a churro for me. I miss you, family. Yes. And I, by yes. the way, I'm not complaining. I do. I do like the road. Uh, I do like the road. This is just a particularly brutal stretch uh, for the Lakers of being gone uh, added aided by those four days in Las Vegas. And then there's another yes. trip coming up. So thankfully, in January, the team will be in Los Angeles for literally, I think, the first all but two of the first 25 days of the month. And so that will be the payoff. But this is definitely the toughest road stretch of the year. And, you know, take me out of it just for all of the guys that have been on the road away from their bed uh, for a while. So the fact that they're if they can keep racking up some wins uh, in the context of all of that, 
um, that's important because these long stretches do get difficult. 15 and 10 now. Let's get to 16 and 10 on Friday. All right, everyone, you will hear from us again soon. If not um, tomorrow, then after the Spurs game on Monday and heading into uh, IST Banner Night, Mike, on Monday against the Knicks. So you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you again next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.